Shame. It's lost its value. Where did shame go? I was reading and thinking a bit about shame. In Chinese medicine, it's seen as being one of the emotions that lives in the lungs. An acupuncturist friend of mine once told me that if you practice in the West, a huge amount of general cases you see will have something to do with liver chi being stagnated. Think stress, fatty foods, alcohol, coffee. But if you practice for a while in the East, you'll notice a lot of general cases of lung chi stagnation. When I asked what that was all about, she said, loss of face. Well, shame used to be a great driver. Shame used to keep us in line. Shame used to create a barrier between doing something bad or not. But now shame has been devalued. I read an interesting interview in Positive News, one of the greatest magazines on earth, with a Dutch historian called Rutger Bregman, author of a book called Humankind, where he says, imagine a society with no shame, where everybody behaves like Donald Trump. In another part of the universe, I'd like to draw your attention to an app called The Universe of Emotions. It's an interesting tool where therapists have gathered 2,000 emotions together and charted them in relation to each other. You're able to place yourself in this slightly ungainly universe and see which way you can jump to improve your own emotional mood as it stands right now. I had a quick look to see where they'd positioned shame and what sat in its orbit. Interestingly, it sat just about as far from the centre as one can get, totally out of balance. There were words listed in its orbit, such as ashamed, shamed, sordid, cheated, hideous, strangled, disheartened, litost, apparently a special word for sorrow or torment, a special type of sorrow or torment, uh, controlled, destroyed, and other traditional Chinese medicine favourites that are always included when we talk about emotions of the lungs, grief, sadness and sorrow. It probably sounds a bit odd to associate uh, emotions with organs, but a simple example like heart and love, or thinking of an angry person with blood red cheeks, it connects anger and the home of the blood, the liver. So lungs have the unhappy task of trying to contain guilt, grief, sadness, shame and sorrow. That's in traditional Chinese medicine terms. What struck me most was a comment from a teacher long in the past, when I had crossed yet another line at school, and him saying, you should be ashamed of yourself. Do I remember a time when I was truly ashamed of myself? Isn't it interesting how our brain edits the past? It buries things that we don't want to remember. Sometimes so deeply, they seem to be totally gone. That's the thing about healing oneself. Brings shut up. Things that have lain dormant in the lungs for many, many years. Whilst delving deeply into what lies inside me, I was astonished to be confronted with the image of an old school friend. Last time I'd seen him, many years before, we'd both been a little sozzled. I pushed a joke too far, and I suspect I offended him. It was banter. 
We boys are thick-skinned. We just laugh it off. Don't we? I have to say, to this day, when I think about it, I have a lasting impression that maybe he didn't shake it off. For this, I feel ashamed. When you are a young person, you test out many versions of yourself. You try things on. When they have a bad result, you tend to learn the lesson, never do it again. I say tend to, but it also depends on the feedback you receive. If you get praise for the bad behaviour, maybe you make it your regular thing because you like the praise. My youth was filled with high jinks. I'm not talking about dressing up national monuments or defacing a portrait of Mother Teresa or urinating on a policeman's foot. Wait, um, maybe that did happen. Anyway, it was his own silly fault for coming out of the police box I was urinating on. Officer, sorry. Well, it was a story that friends told other friends, and for a few days I was a silly celebrity. If I'd been caught by the policeman, himself half-dressed on a freezing Edinburgh evening with a cup of tea in his hand, myself fit and already running, I don't blame him for not giving chase. And then it might have been a completely different story. I assume I would have had some sort of public nuisance fine and possibly a dressing down or a beating from my headmaster. Under those circumstances, I'd probably have curbed my student behaviour rather more. My father was an exceptionally fair man. For him, fairness really mattered. He never raised a hand to me. But when he removed his approbation, then the world stopped. Being in his good books was great, but step over the line and one could feel the weight of his disapproval. I always wanted to please him whenever I could. I wonder what he'd have thought if he'd known the police box story. To be fair, there was also a story about his hijinks. It was rumoured that if you went to the George and Abbotsford Hotel in Melrose, the part of Scotland I was brought up in, then you could find my dad's and my uncle's signatures on the ceiling of the dining room. It seems one night they'd decided to make a tower of the tables so they could sign the ceiling. Perhaps we're all allowed some good-natured horseplay when we're young. It allows us to test our moral framework. Letting off steam isn't the worst thing in the world, as long as nobody gets hurt. We're led to understand that rules are there for a reason, but they can be gently infringed from time to time. Society is a structure of our own making. We decide what rules to put in place to make our lives easier. If you lived in the Wild West in the 1800s, if somebody looked at you the wrong way, you might just decide to shoot him there and then. There was usually no comeback. But it wasn't that nice to kiss your hubby goodbye as he went off for his friends for a quick drink and they brought him back in a pine box. Rules and regulations were introduced to protect our lives. The fair application of the law is all anybody really wants. There's an understanding that if you play by the rules, then you'll have a happy life. If you step over the line, you'll have infringed what everybody understands to be the boundaries. You should be expected to be punished. Ultimately, if you don't like the laws in the UK, move to somewhere like New Zealand. If you're part of the structure, you're supporting the structure. Campaign to get the rules changed or leave. Those are your only choices. There are big rules and there are small rules. 
The big rules first then. Thou shalt not kill. As mentioned, I don't want to have people shooting each other in the streets, or me for that matter. It's an interesting question to ask, however. If I'm not allowed to kill people, then why is my government allowed to kill people? Who gave them the right? I marched against the war in Iraq. Not in my name. Nobody paid a blind bit of attention to that. Interestingly, a White House insider has recently said that he was at a meeting where the then president declared they were going to take down seven countries in five years, naming Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, etc. My marching was pointless. It had all been decided anyway. As long as we're scared, war will always be a deterrent. But what would change this? A unilateral agreement to have tiny standing armies? Limit nuclear weapons? Limit the development of technologies of mass destruction? There must be a way. By freeing trillions of dollars spent on arms, we could feed the world overnight. What about the small rules? I was shamed heavily for a simple mistake. It hurt me deeply. It was interesting to feel the pain in my chest. The shame was palpable. I made an honest mistake, mistake, but was still dragged across the coals in front of my friends and peers. It was an exceptional lesson for me. I viscerally felt the pain. I then had to search deep inside me to find out which part of me had been wounded so badly. Don't get me wrong here. I was considering giving up all of my healing work, walking away. This had gone so deep. There was a deep sense of injustice. I felt like my social status had been challenged. I felt like my sense of honesty had been questioned. In short, I had lost face. I could feel it in my lungs. It happened to come to time when my lovely mum is entering the last stages of her time with us. Grief being, and sorry, grief and sadness being lung things too. I felt it all deep inside my chest. My lovely teacher would probably have asked me, who got hurt? It proved to be an excellent chance to examine the framework inside me. This is what our Qigong training is all about. Finding out what's making you shout at people, what's making you cross with people, find out what's triggering you inside. Dig it out. If you don't want to have to go round and round, same hurt loop, again and again, then sort it out. For me, there were all sorts of disapproval loops put in place by my lovely father's framework. There were loops regarding the circumstances of my birth. I need to be loved, not criticised. And many subshades of these, entangled like a patch of untended land covered in bindweed, brambles. One thing we can be sure of is that I'll not consciously make that mistake again. Shame is a healthy thing. It helps us to stay in touch with our moral compass. If you stray off the path, it shocks you like some Victorian mental health device. You get a strong jolt of shame and hopefully brings you back to your senses. 
What happens if you don't get bad feedback? Let's say you're in the highest office in the land, surrounded by yes-men who will never honestly feed back to you. Say that every time you push the rules, nobody has the guts to stop you. What happens if every time you go past the boundaries of common decency, you're rewarded financially? What does the world start to look like then? One day, I'll get over the one-way system at Tulse Hill. Until that day, I'll continue to fulminate over it. There was a constant stream of black BMWs that would scream to the front of the queue. Us locals would get in line like sheep and wait there whilst young Brixtonians cut us up one by one. It was easy for them, because in a place like London, you'll never ever have to see that driver again. Ever. No repercussions means that you can drive however you like. I feel like a stupid sheep now. There was a time that I was known in my local town. A speeding ticket garnered early one Sunday morning in a nearby village was reported in the local newspaper. College was fined £25 for doing 35 miles per hour in a built-up area. His defence, that he was hurrying to church, was taken into account. Widely accepted as not true. Nonetheless, all my parents' friends saw that. My former teachers, I knew he'd come to no good. All of my friends. These slaps on the wrist all guide you be a better person, eventually, it's hoped. But somewhere along the way, shame lost its value. It still applies to me, apparently, but not to Donald Trump. In the UK, I have lost count of the number of shamed ministers who find their way back into the structure pretty quickly afterwards. They pop up again, after having worked for an NGO for a few years, made a few TV appearances showing us how nicely they dance, or some such thing. There are entire agencies that have been built up around reputation management. This term essentially means finding a way around the stupidity you have shown publicly and spinning it into some new story about who you've become after you learned your lesson about saying something horrible in public, about gay people, about black people, about trans people, or about your wife, fill in the blanks as appropriate. The only thing that seems to guide celebrity life is an agency. Shame means less and less in this brash world that we live in. It seems that the Chinese government no longer trusts shame to be enough to keep their populace on the straight and narrow. They're developing something called social credit. Put simply, you don't follow the rules, your social credit mark goes down. The farther it goes down, the less you can earn, less you can travel. We have it too, don't forget, except it's financial credit that governs us. If you don't earn enough, you can't get a bank account, a mortgage or rent a property. Not much difference there then. The opportunity to travel, our mobility, the size of the world and the burgeoning population means that the chances of you being held to account are much slimmer 
Interestingly, it's also true there are fewer places left to hide, though, if you've really done something wrong. If you're thinking of becoming an international criminal, it might be a good idea to learn some Mongolian. Surely you must still be able to hide out there. The same story from Positive News magazine talked about prisons in Finland. You can tell that you can't tell the difference between guards and inmates. Everybody dresses casually. People are treated like humans, re-educated, not in a Chinese government way either. The lack of which was probably what got them into prison in the first place. The rate of reoffending in Finland is one of the lowest in the world. In the tough, heartless US prison system, it's one of the highest in the world. So what's the answer now that shame has lost its value? Well, perhaps that is the answer. Maybe it's possible, like the Chinese government, to actually quantify my trust. If I decide to act on something and do it carelessly, perhaps I should lose a few points off my score. Everything else in life is becoming gamified. It's an interesting idea, because few of our politicians would survive. The ones who did, probably like them to be there. People would soon start to behave in a better fashion. I'm guessing if you were the person who wields the power, it would still be used as a means of control, not as a means of equality. I can't see the rulers of China being subjected to the same checks and balances. I mean, how many points do you lose off your score if you subject an entire ethnic race to a re-education programme? If you threaten to close your entire borders to the whole of South America, how many points would be docked from you then? If you, if you refuse the entry of a boatful of migrants, then what? Under these circumstances, none of our leaders' scores would last a minute. Maybe we should look at the Go Global Peace Index and score every country in the world. Each time they start a war, they're downgraded again until it's no longer possible for them to raise funds internationally or accept flights from better countries or even have their citizens leave their shores. You'd only have to discover the score of your country, UK, currently 42nd place, just behind forward-thinking places like the Arab, United Arab Emirates, Mongolia and Kuwait. USA is currently in 122nd place behind Turkmenistan and Azerbaijan. Wouldn't take long for you to start insisting your politicians do better by you. Education, education, education. Isn't it time that we started humanising education and insisting that everyone worldwide, bar none, gets a decent, loving education? One where your heart is taken into account along with your head. So much is put upon science and maths. And look how well that mechanistic system has aided us. It's aided us to the brink of extinction. Well done. But it's time for a change now, people. We've had your fun. But if we want to be here in 50 years' time, it is time to change. Perhaps your score of 100 out of 100 gives you 100 votes in the worldwide or the national referendum. Then the next bloke might only get five out of a hundred votes. Today's referendum 
Should Rupert Murdoch be allowed to own hundreds of newspapers and TV channels? Vote now on your phone. On a local level, should we purchase our next refuse trucks from Italy or Coventry? Choose now on your phone. Tonight, the big debate, live on your laptop. Let's discuss 5G installations and then vote. You get the idea. It's time to say goodbye to corporate greed, political corruption. It's also time to stand up for ourselves. Finally, I think it's time for shame to make a comeback.